What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Triggered, and this one's going to be fun. Uh, we have a great show for you tonight. We have Cash Patel, the former deputy director of national intelligence. If you've been watching what's going on for the last week, whether it's all of a sudden these unidentified objects falling out of the sky or we're shooting them down, things we'd never heard of before, uh, the leak that you know the Nord Stream 2 pipeline was taken out by America, because of course it was, and when we tried blaming that on Russia, it never really made a lot of sense to me. Uh, we got everything, but this is a guy that knows how the sausage is made. This is a guy that had the information that you nor I uh, would ever be privy to. And so I think you're going to want to see it. I think you're going to have a lot of fun with that one. But before we get to cash, uh, I think we got to talk a little bit about the news of the week and some of the things that are going on today. Obviously, yesterday was the Super Bowl. And the left-wing lunatics will figure out a way to politicize literally everything. So for some hard-hitting analysis, we're going to bring you to the women of The View. Now, these lunatics, as always, will have a take on something. Now, it may be the dumbest fucking take you've ever heard in your life, but they will have a take nonetheless. Watch as they perpetuate racism uh, on a mainstream show on regular television for all of America to see. Check it out for yourselves. The only well, thing that would have made it better for me is, you know, finally we know that black quarterbacks can lead teams so, and are smart enough to lead well, teams. I would like to see. I, I always knew that. That right? was never we knew a that. question. We knew but, that. But, um, you know, it takes people a minute to catch up. Wow. <laughs> wow. So finally, a black quarterback can lead teams? That's, that's their take. Because it's never been done before? Is that what they're telling us? Do they not know? I mean, listen, when Whoopi is the voice of reason, like, well, wait a minute, you know, we sort of knew that. But the rest of racist America couldn't possibly imagine that, even if Patrick Mahomes went to the Super Bowl a few years ago. You know, minor details like that. It reminds me of when I went on The View, folks. I went on The View to promote my, I guess I was 18, I went on The View to talk about my book, Triggered. They invited me on the show to do a whole hour. Now, I'm not naive. I know that I'm going to take some hits, but I also figured that if someone invites you to talk about their book, maybe they'd let you actually talk about the book, but that didn't happen. And just in case it went exactly the way I thought it would go, I did a little bit of homework right before the show. I just Googled, what are the dumbest things ever said on The View? And that's the episode where I guess I called out Joy Behar for wearing blackface and Whoopi Goldberg for uh, basically uh, promoting Roman Polanski, a convicted child pedophile. Uh, you know, minor details like this. It was so funny. I wish you guys could have seen it because I got so many compliments from the people who saw the show. But what you didn't see was what happened with the audience. Now, this is an audience in New York City that The View and the lunatics of the left lost. Whoopi was MFing the audience in the middle of it, saying, this isn't a quote effing Trump rally, because what they did was so insane and so indefensible that they lost a New York City crowd at The View to me. I wish that ABC or NBC, whatever the hell station they're on, would put this one up, because honestly, it's truly epic. But if, if this take wasn't exactly the level of stupidity that we've come to know from the people of The View and the same amount of racism that they're perpetuating, uh, another far-left activist were out there talking about how racist it was for the name Kansas City Chiefs. Somehow, 
the team that is the Super Bowl champions or world champions. I'm trying to still figure that one out since I think football is only played in America, but minor details. I think calling them the Kansas City Chiefs actually is glorifying uh, the notion of Native American tribes, that they are strong warriors, that they won the world championship. But no, there are still the people out there that go as far as to say fans will don more faux feather headdresses and paint their faces red so they do more pregame partying outside Arizona State's Farm Stadium, all while the racism and discrimination against indigenous peoples in the United States will be passively encouraged as an outburst of good old team spirit on a national stage. It's like they don't have anything else to bitch about anymore, folks. They've just lost their minds and they don't care. They're catering to like the two people who figured out how to make themselves somehow victims of this who are probably getting paid to be victims like we've seen so much. But in other insane news of the week, Australia established a new ambassador for gender equality. And guys, it's everything you would think that it would be. Remember, it's always in the eyes. The eyes give it away way before everything else. Check it out for yourself and uh, I'll have some commentary. Hello, I'm Stephanie Copas Campbell, Australia's new ambassador for gender equality. I'm incredibly honoured to take on this role as the lead international advocate for Australia's commitment to gender equality and the human rights of women and girls and persons of diverse gender identities. In this role, I'm committed to listening to those who are dedicated to promoting gender equality and learning about the perspectives and priorities in communities, in countries, in our region and globally. Promoting gender equality is the right thing to do, but it's also the smart thing to do. It is central to Australia's diplomatic, economic development and regional security, as well as our international engagement. I look forward to working with partners in Australia, in the Pacific, in Southeast Asia and globally to progress the Australian government's priorities to increase women's economic empowerment, women and girls' leadership and to end sexual and gender-based violence, to improve access to health and education services and progress the women, peace and security agenda. As I said, guys, it's always in the eyes. Now, I'm not sure how this is going to lead to any equality. I have a feeling when we've seen these programs, it probably creates equality for men who want to compete in women's sports and other such programs. But again, I'm still trying to figure out how it strengthens Australia's defense programs because it doesn't, folks. It doesn't. The insanity never ends. Now, we tried doing a little bit of research into this woman, uh, Stephanie Corpus Campbell. Apparently, from what we were able to find is on her LinkedIn profile, has no prior experience in public service based on what we were able to see. Maybe there's a lot. Maybe they'll make it up. Maybe who the hell knows? She checks some sort of box off that makes it thing. But what is the purpose of this ambassadorship? What are her qualifications and what is it that's going on here? Because apparently it's not just Australia, folks. Uh, we've been looking to Europe and some of the other lunatics leading the world stage on some of this. Obviously, our folks in Canada, but we'll get to that in a minute. But apparently the U.S. and the White House, Biden White House has also created a gender policy council to, quote, advance gender equity equity is always key. Remember, guys, it's not about equality. It's about equity, which is the, the equity of outcome, not the equity of opportunity. We got to remember that in everything that they do. But what are these programs doing? The answer is probably not a lot of anything. So if you thought the left 
was losing their minds with something like this. This one was even crazier to me. Apparently a left-wing abolished the police activist, Baker, died this weekend after robbers mowed her down near an Oakland bank. They dragged her to death and her family does not want the criminals prosecuted. Either her family hates her or there's a whole lot more crazy going on with these people. I mean, think about that. She died being a victim of a crime and the family, and I, presumably her based on her activism, wouldn't want the criminals prosecuted because it somehow perpetuates a cycle of whatever. These are the people who like the Biden administration wants to put in charge. In the process of trying to chase them down, uh, this woman got caught in the door of the fleeing vehicle and was dragged more than 50 feet. She was then put on life support and died from her injuries. The victim has a history of anti-police beliefs and community activism. I guess Ms. Angel reportedly once bragged on Facebook that she has taught her employees to do what she does and never call the cops. Her family doesn't even want them prosecuted. Guys, I got nothing else other than these people are freaking insane. But because of the media, because of the big tech and their lock on leftism, because the leftists have taken over every faction of our government and our world, these people are the people that have much more say. These are the ones that are going to be making decisions for your children and mine because they've been given platforms when they're clearly freaking idiots. So California now introduced a bill that could end K through 12 suspensions for defying school rules. Another one that we can't quite figure out because if you misbehave, you're supposed to have no consequence, right? That's how we grow and we learn, or at least that, according to this story, as well as the last one, is what the left would want you believe. I'm not sure what they're looking to do. I don't know what the end game is, other than it leads, in my opinion, to anarchy. Because you can't teach someone if there's never a consequence. Why would they do anything if they can just do whatever they want? The left is promoting lawlessness, and it doesn't stop. And just when you think maybe we'd be at an end to the leftists losing their minds, we have a Yale professor who suggested that mass suicide for old people in Japan is the solution for their rapidly aging society. They should just go kill themselves. I guess Harry Carey, because that's the honorable thing to do. This is a professor at what would be told, what we've been told for years would be one of the finest education institutions in the world. This is one where years ago you'd want to send your kid there desperately. At this point, I don't know that they offer any value because you can't actually get ahead learning to think because if you think a little different than your professor, you're going to be penalized. Ask me how I know. When I speak on these college campuses and they show up and young students show up, I ask them, first thing, raise your hand. If your teachers knew you were here right now, would you be penalized academically? And unanimously, every kid in the room raises their hand. So we want our children to be robots. But he says, I quote, feel like the only solution is pretty clear. He said during an online program in late 2020, in the end, isn't it mass suicide of the elderly? That's his solution? Mass suicide. It sounds like eugenics. It sounds like insanity, which of course it is, but because it's from the left, because it's from academia, they will continue to have the cover that they need.
So in really big breaking news, and before we get into what we're really going to be talking about tonight, uh, I found, I believe it's the most accurate meme of the week, uh, and it's the men that voted for Joe Biden. I think we finally found an example. Check it out for yourself and tell me where I'm off. Guys, I don't think we're off. I think we pretty much nailed it. Uh, between the white toe and the, let's call it the uh, tight pants and camel toe, I think we found it. And it seems to be a rather large demographic, one promoted uh, by the left and one that we must rebel against. In all seriousness, though, guys, uh, before we get to Cash Patel, and I think this is going to be an important one, We've shot down now multiple objects over the weekend. Apparently, NORAD has not shot down anything over the airspace that it watches, including Canada, for quite some time. But in the last week, we've shot down about four objects, three aircraft over North America in the past week, in addition to the Chinese spy balloon over the coast of South Carolina. On Friday, an unidentified object was shot down over Alaska by an F-22, another one where military experts and people currently in the military could not identify their propulsion system. Uh, listen to what uh, our brilliant press secretary, Corinne Jean-Pierre, has to say about some of these instances. I think you'll find it rather enlightening. Why is, why is the American military shooting something out of the sky over Canada? Because it's part of a NORAD. There is a, the NORAD is part of like a, a part of a, it's a, it's a, what you call a coalition, a consortium, a, so, a pact, okay. exactly. And so that's why we were able to do that. Again, it, we didn't do it on our own. We did right. it in, in, uh, in, uh, clearly in, 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 in step with uh, right. Canada. Canada. Uh, I mean, clearly we're in step with Canada. Guys, You've probably heard me bitch about it before, but in all fairness, this is what happens when your only qualifications that day, you were a foreign-born lesbian who happens to be African-American, and that was the hiring process, it seems, for this individual. That's not racist. They basically said it. People will criticize you for it, but this is the most incompetent person to ever sit in that office. Our allies to the north, you know, the little country, Canada. <laughs> You gotta be shitting me. Like, she is the communications director for the White House, for the president of the United States, the leader of the free world. Now, if you listen to him speak, it's not much better, okay? But we're being led by imbeciles. These are the people that are going to get calls when there is an actual alien invasion, which who the hell knows? Maybe this is it. Like, how about this? Please, we'll take you to our leader as long as you promise to take him with you. Like, because it ain't working, folks. This is, this is a person that's supposed to be a skilled communicator. She doesn't know what NORAD is. That's pretty clear. But she doesn't know what a lot of the things she's supposed to know about are. And it doesn't matter because, again, she's a lesbian. And that's supposed to be, like, wonderful. Because it's not about the qualifications for the job anymore. It's how many boxes we can check. And apparently, she checked off a lot. So, folks, it doesn't just end there, though. This is a little bit more troubling. And a U.S. general in charge of NORAD says he hasn't ruled out anything, including the possibility of extraterrestrial origins. Check it out. This is for General Van Herc. Uh, because you still haven't been able to tell us what these things are that we are shooting out of the sky, 
that raises the question, um, have you ruled out aliens or extraterrestrials? And if so, why? Because that is what everyone is asking us right now. And thanks for the question, Helene. I'll let the intel community and the uh, counterintelligence community figure that out. I haven't ruled out anything. Uh, At this point, we continue to assess uh, every threat or potential threat unknown that approaches North America uh, with an attempt to identify it. Wow. Remember, guys, if it is an alien invasion, you know who I want to charge? Joe Biden. (laughs) We're all screwed, guys. At this point, like, I may have to change my presidential vote for 2024 from Donald Trump to just a meteor. Just take us out, because at this point, we deserve it. That's where we're at, okay? Guys, I think you're gonna love this guest. Before I get to Cash Patel, I wanna thank our sponsors, okay? We have a couple great guys. We obviously have Gold Co. and we have Max Refund, a couple of guys that took a chance to sponsor a show like this, and I think that's a big deal. We gotta support the businesses who are supporting the people who have the guts to have the real conversations that people aren't having. Everyone else, they'll tiptoe around these things, and I think Cash will give you a lot of insight on that. if you're a business or a you know, small business, large business with W-2 employees, you can now qualify for up to $26,000 per employee. That's possible through a program called ERC. This is not a loan, and if you qualify, you don't even have to pay it back. The Patriots at Max Refund are experts in ERC and will ensure that you secure your maximum amount of money that you deserve on your ERC Refund. Visit maxrefund.com slash D-O-N-J-R. Maxrefund.com slash junior to qualify today. Try to get some of this money back, folks. These programs exist for you. I promise you, everyone on the left has taken care and taken part in every ridiculous program. You should be doing it, too. Save that money. Don't let the morons running the government spend it. And again, make sure they know where it's coming from so they know that it's okay to support shows like this uh, and take part in the patriot economy. Now, again, it's not easy to do something like this. Our original sponsor, Gold Co., uh, was the first guy out there. Go check out gold, sorry, donjuniorgold.com and see what they have to offer. If you're looking at the world right now and it's like 2008 and you're worried about inflation, you're worried about hitting a wall, you're worried about all of the insanity that we've seen out there, watching Americans who watch their retirements disappear, the U.S. dollar having lost 85% of its purchasing power since 1971, owning tangible gold, physical gold or silver can maybe help diversify your portfolio. So again, if you're not happy where the world's going, if you want some diversity in there, go check out DonJuniorGold.com, and the guys at GoldCo can help you figure it out. They're experts. They'll get you what you need. And again, make sure you do it that way so they know that they're supporting uh, something that is actually leading to leads. It's important. It sounds self-serving, and it is, because that's the reality. We have to support the businesses that are supporting us. We have to not support the businesses that would put us in the gulags. And we've seen that time and time again. So Go to DonJuniorGold.com, learn more about it, and I think you'll like them a lot. So with that, I'm going to ask Cash Patel to slide over here a little bit. We're still in the makeshift studio, uh, so we're going a little bit, uh, little bit uh, ad hoc here. But <laughs> Cash Patel was the director of national intelligence, deputy under, uh, I guess, 
a couple people, but primarily, uh, well, you work for Devin Nunes, first of all, in Congress. I think that's important because Cash is the guy that basically discovered all of the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax. So <laughs> yeah. Tell us a little bit about that first, and then we'll go into the DNI role. No, first of all, Don, thanks so much for having me on, but I really want to start out of the gate with something important. I'm here to deliver you the Pulitzer Prize for having a brown guy on your show in the first two weeks. Well, so, you, you know, listen, listen, we don't so do I this on purpose. Stop, you know, you know listen, that's I, it. It's not getting any better. Prom I promise you, buddy, we've known each other for a while. Uh, we've communicated a lot over the years. Yeah. Uh, you're not like the token brown guy on the show, right? Like, we're, we're just friends. Like, I, you know, I understand that uh, there's a lot of people out there that do that. Most of them from the left. Uh, you saw the insanity from The View. I mean, yeah. like, how about, like, I don't know, whether it's the airlines that I see out there, mm. you know, the, well, we want to make sure we have the most diverse array of pilots. I'm like, I don't know. How about we just have, like, the, <laughs> the best, best pilot? Like, when I'm at 36,000 feet, the one thing I want to make sure is that it's the diverse crew. Not a good crew, a diverse one. No, look, you're right. Look, whether it came to working for uh, Devin Nunes and running the Russiagate investigation, which, of course, we've led to writing the Nunes memo and the exposure of lying to federal courts, the Democrats funneling in money, all to target DJT, all to take out a political opponent, or whether it came to working in the Donald Trump administration, be it as deputy director of national intel, or chief of staff at DOD. Oh, and by the way, I was the first minority in U.S. history to hold either of those posts. But I'm not proud that I held it as a minority. I'm proud that Donald Trump, Devin Nunes, and others hired me and others who were skilled enough to do the job, not based yeah. on the color of my skin or my background. And you just heard Kareem Jean, whatever Pierre her name is, she can't even read English, yeah. let alone be our advertiser. For well, that's what it was. When she got that job, it was like, she's the first foreign-born uh, lesbian woman of color to hold like I'm like who like I'm like, who gives a shit like wow yeah. like what but like th they were promoting that and then you're like like I, I don't know I'd like competence and like you realize like oh there's not I mean she did it this week there was some other you know, communications role there and he's the first openly gay man like who I'm cares? like no one cares and why are they doing it so much and I would have been offended if Donald Trump advertised that you should be you know that's not what Americans want in government in your leaders you want the best man or woman for the job period everything else is collateral I mean I would think just imagine if we're in the Trump presidency and we're talking about the night we took out Baghdadi when I was running counterterrorism I'm in this situation with the president of the United States his cabinet and the next morning, we go to our secretary, our press secretary, and just imagine if she couldn't spell the country Syria. Instead, yeah. she says Canada or something like that. Can you imagine the onslaught that we would have yeah. gotten from the media? But she gets a pass because she's a whatever she well, is. She's a, first of all, she gets a pass. Like, it's liberal privilege. I mean, right. I, I wrote a book about it, not yeah. you know gratuitous plug for my book <laughs> if you haven't seen it. But that's, it, it is like if... You know, if Sarah Huckabee Sanders, yeah. you know, did that, if Kaylee McEnany did that, it would lead the news cycle for weeks. Instead, she can get out there, clearly not have an understanding of NORAD. I mean, it's like our air defense systems. Like, you know, yeah, it's kind of a big one. Like anyone who's taken a basic poli course, like knows what that is. She didn't really understand it, didn't understand how to explain it. And but like Canada. <laughs> and like, but the, the host isn't even like, didn't even laugh. He like, didn't even break stride. It's like, we just got to deal with these people because they're stupid. And like, yeah. like it never happened. And if it wasn't for people like me being willing to call it out, like, it'd be like, it's just a free pass. The sad thing is, you know, we're joking about it now and it's good to do that because you need humor in these times. But 
tragically, you know, with my background, I'm a national security defense intel guy. And we have the commander-in-chief of the United States and his team leading out. And they cannot even identify the countries that we're focusing on by name because they don't know them or how to spell them. You know who's looking at us and laughing? Xi Jinping and Vladimir Putin are staring at us and they're saying, oh, we caught you with, you caught one of our balloons? Well, you missed the other 75. By yeah. the way, we're not even going to tell you about the cyber intrusion we're doing to you right now while you're looking left and we're going right. Well, and that's sort of the government cyber intrusion. And then you obviously have, like, TikTok on every yeah. kid's phone in America. Like, these guys are racking up information on our children that will be weaponized and used against them forever. Yeah. There's a reason that TikTok has been labeled the digital Chinese fentanyl because that's exactly what it is. And people don't care about the six-month plan or the year plan. The CCP has a 15-year plan against America, yeah. a 20-year plan. So the information they collect against our children, when they're leaders in government, they're going to be like, hey, we already have all that intel. How are we going to redirect that information to you and against you to bring out China's advantage over America? And do you think they figured out how to target Fang Fang Swalwell overnight? That was a collection operation that went on for years. Yeah. And they had a member of the House Intelligence Committee targeted by a Chinese spy agent. Just imagine. Yeah. And I hate to bring in my good friend, our good friend Devin Nunes on this. But when he was chairman of the Intel Committee, do you know what the world would have done if he was courted by a Chinese spy asset female who he had slept with? Yeah. It he, would have been treasonous. He'd be out, and he should be. Yes. But watching, like, I, I literally can't even understand watching Democrats fight to keep Swalwell. First of all, the guy's an idiot, right? <laughs> Minor details, but, like... So, there, well, there was no proof that I did anything wrong. That doesn't matter. Right. I mean, if you were sleeping with someone for a while, who knows what they have on you that they could. Maybe they haven't used it yet. But who knows the pile of information that they could hold over your head when it matters. And that in and of itself mm -hmm. as a deterrence should prevent it. You know, Schiff lied about everything. I mean, these are people that called you a white supremacist. Like, <laughs> I, I'm, they did. like hey, folks, <laughs> I, you know, I... I well, I don't even know it, what to it, make it, of it. It was worse. It was worse. They called me Schiff and Swalwell. Actually, the first time I got outed um, in that trash media outfit, Beast, Daily Beast, or Political, yeah. whichever one. I can't keep it straight. They called me a genocidal dictator. That was the quote, which is hilarious when yeah. you think that I am the son of a man who fled a genocidal dictatorship. And then my dad got in line to get into this country legally. And then his son rose to some of the highest ranks in government. That is the American story that yeah. the liberals talk about but don't live. And we get to because we put America first. Yeah, like, have you ever thought, like, if you were a Democrat, like, you know how easy it, you'd be president by now. Like, <laughs> you, 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 could, you could do anything you want. They'd be like, A, you're smart. B, you, you checked off that box. And you're like, oh, my God. And yet you're vilified for all of the things that they have glorified on the other side. You get no points, no credit, uh, nothing. And here's the thing. I don't want any of it because, like you, yep. we were put into positions that we never thought we would have. But the one thing we shared is accountability for the American public yeah. and putting out the truth overall. Doesn't matter what it costs me or you or our families or yeah. our persons because the American public and our children and our future are more important than some political tagline. Yeah. So when we put out things like the Nunes memo, or as I like to call it, the cash memo, Dev and I joke about it, we got excoriated for it. But the only thing that mattered, and I didn't know, most people don't know this, I didn't know Donald Trump back then. I yeah. had never met the man. I would never talked to him. I knew who he was by yeah, name. And I told Devin, I said, look, I don't know this guy, but you want to do this Russiagate investigation? I'll make you one deal. We put out whatever we find, whatever we find. Donald Trump's a Russian asset. We put it out. Now, of course, we never yeah. thought we would figure out the biggest criminal scandal put on by the FBI and the DNC. But half of this country still believes Donald Trump's a Russian asset. 
and we yeah. have to. They're work still running time. with it. Like, it running as though it. it's fact. Like, and yet, when you have, you know, you talked about me. Like, I, I get it. I've been blessed yeah. beyond a belief in this country. Now, I got thrown into politics in my late 30s, and all of a sudden, it's like, hey, I just actually believe this stuff. I, I will more than happily fight for it. You know, there's a consequence to that. I always say it'd have been a lot easier to shut the hell up and be a real estate developer from <laughs> New York and not get into that. But like. You know, I actually do believe in this stuff. I want to leave my kids a country, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that they can recognize. And so it, it's so important to be in that fight. But I look at what they called me, you know, a traitor. Uh, they, Adam Schiff wanted to try me for treason, mm -hmm. uh, you know, a crime punishable by death. But Hunter Biden can take a billion from China, work for Ukraine oligarchs, you know, work for Russian oligarchs, money launderer, be paid in diamonds off the books, not declare anything in taxes, drop guns in dumpsters across from high schools. And it's like, He's an upstanding human being. Then I give an impassioned speech, and they're like, oh, Don Jr.'s on coke. You're, you're, you know, and I, and I borrow your name, and I, and I, and I don't do it to, to vilify anyone, but I borrow it to juxtaposition the two-tier system of justice we have. And let's stick with Hunter Biden and the laptop. I know, we, we know we've proven that the elections were rigged and everything like that, but how about this? Let's fold in everything, and this is something I don't think I've said publicly before. The Hunter Biden laptop is the genesis of the classified document investigation for Joe Biden. Mm -hmm. Let me unpack that, because people are like, what are you talking about? It's two different things. It's not. If you look at the documentation found on the Hunter Biden laptop, there's one specific memo that he took and copied and pasted and then put into his own words. It was a memo to the Ukrainian government and Ukrainian foreign officials. As me, as a former deputy director of national intelligence, looked at that information, I said, that's classified. There's no way Hunter Biden had access to it because he doesn't have a security clearance. Where'd he get it from? Dad. What did they do with that memo? That's the other half of the crime. They took that memo and sent it overseas. He got a seven-figure contract from the Ukrainian government by stealing classified information through his father and hiding it in the Corvette book or wherever it was. And now they want to give him a pass. And I always say, you know, what if Don Jr. had stolen information from Donald Trump and then got a seven-figure payday from China? Yeah. Would we even be having this conversation? So for me, the win is highlighting the two-tier system of justice so that we can fix it because right yep. now it started back in Russiagate and it's continuing on to Hunter Biden's laptop to, to Biden's classified document investigation and now the balloon scandal and everything else. Well, so I mean, I want to get to the balloon shortly because I, you know, I can't tell if it's a scandal or if it's a distraction, right? Like, yeah. is this the shiny object that we're waving out over here to not get you talking about like the Nord Stream 2 pipeline bombing? But like, I want to unpack a little bit more the Hunter thing that you just talked about because I think the question I'm shocked no one's asking is, Everyone understands there's a link there. But are they wondering, like, we've spent $130 billion, yeah. plus, you know, whatever a percentage of the $220 billion that the Pentagon lost and has magically, I mean, they lost $220 billion, right? Like, yeah. you don't just lose that. But how much of that was probably spent in Ukraine? But, like, how much of our decision-making in Ukraine against Russia and a nuclear power is being based off of stuff because those guys have this information and are holding it over Joe Biden's head. So that's like, why is no one asking that question? Like, this is like this makes the Swalwell China stuff seem like small potatoes in terms of like leverage. And, and we and we've spent so much money, and no one's asking if our decisions are being influenced by the unknown. That's actually, from an intelligence perspective, the most critical question. No one is talking about leverage because the documented information that we know exists on Hunter Biden's laptop, plus the documents we found, or the government found, in Joe Biden's six places so far. Yeah. And here's the cute thing. If you want to talk about government cheese,
These guys are talking about sets of documents that were discovered for the last 20 years that Joe Biden's been hiding. Do you know I've seen sets of documents? One set could be a thousand pages of classified yeah. information. Yeah, and they we, make it seem like it's a one-page yeah, memo that he had as classified. Yeah. Well, it was one set. That set could be the entire garage for all we and know. And that goes back to leverage. That goes, and it's documents we now know from the Ukraine, from the CCP, from Russia. All of these things are interconnected. These leaders, like China and Russia and Ukraine, they do everything they can to go against their number one adversary, us. Right now, they have documentation against the sitting, think about this, the sitting commander in chief to the United States of America has classified information he stole. They use that to barter and gain an illegal deal through their son. And these guys have so much more information on those two individuals who are basically running our country. And you want to talk about leverage points? You want to talk about an intel pressure switch that's just waiting to ignite? Yeah. And here's, here's the worst part, though. China and Russia are not in it for the short game. No. They'll delay. Yeah. They'll wait. They They're not no worrying problem. about a two-year election cycle where they got to promise stuff and give people free shit and, yeah. like, you know, basically buy a vote. Even if they can't do it, they'll promise it, and then they'll fail, like, the student loan thing, like, the insanity. <laughs> like, no, but it's like... That's what they're doing. Like, they are, I wouldn't even say a 15-year game. They're playing a 100-year game. Like, this is where we need to be in 100 years, and it doesn't matter what gets in the way. I'm not saying that's right, but I'm saying, like, you don't think they're taking advantage of Joe Biden and the idiocy and even our process. That, and that's what I think Americans are finally starting to learn because they're paying attention, yeah. is how our government actually works. Let's talk about the money that they're sending over to the Ukraine. I'm not saying we shouldn't help other countries, but when we got 55,000 homeless veterans in this country, two dozen of which take their lives every day by suicide, maybe we should spend yeah. it on the people yeah. that defended this nation. And the worst, I mean, I don't want to call it the worst part, but the Ukraine is what I call the modern day Afghanistan, and here's why. There is no banking system in the Ukraine. There is no way to monitor and track the dollars we send yeah. over there in the billions. And it's siphoned off by whatever rogue officials and padded into Zelensky's foreign seas bank account somewhere in Southeast yeah. Asia. And we are just giving money away, and that's not even to mention right. the military equipment we've lit on fire by sending over there and depleting our resources. Well, of course, and then you have Putin buying the stuff we left in Afghanistan, 86 billion worth, to use against us and our equipment. Yeah, we're creating a billionaire oligarch class in Ukraine. By the way, we're doing it here too, because I, I imagine some of that money's coming back as a kickback to the big war machine in the United yeah. States, right? All the generals gonna retire, they gotta get on the board of Raytheon. You don't do that unless you're selling missiles, so let's do that. So, you know, I've had even Republicans come up to me, well, stop doing it, because some of it's coming back. I'm like, no, like, fuckers, like, we, like, we watched Big Pharma get rich for two years. Now it's like, well, big war, we're sitting on the sidelines that they've been watching, and they're like, it's our turn again, and we're just gonna say, okay. So, I mean, some of it is coming back here, mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean it's right. Like, no one in America wants to be in the never-ending wars. And as long as that money spigot is going, there's no incentive for Zelensky to get out of the table. They know they're not going to target him. Mm -hmm. You know, it's such a precarious position for him that he can go be on Hollywood award shows and zoom in to, like, these sorts of, like, every politician and actor in America has the Zelensky photo op. Like, what are we talking about here? What it never ends. There's well, no end game if we continue until we cut off the money and say, you guys better come to an agreement. And it's like everything else, the money. So when I was chief of staff at the Defense Department, my first call, my first five calls were to the heads of Boeing, Lockheed, Raytheon, Northrop Grumman, and another big provider. And I said, the defense industrial complex provides great 
work for the American people that we need, but you guys are also the biggest wasters of money yeah. on planet Earth, and you're connected to the boondoggle in Washington, D.C. on Capitol Hill because of the kickback schemes and also the golden parachutes you guys have going out on a rotating basis. Let me give you one example. We have service-to-air missiles, right? They take a long time to build one battery system. We sent seven years' worth of SAMs to the Ukraine under the Biden administration. That means if we spent the next seven years building, then we'd be back to zero. That is tens of billions of dollars that we have shifted over there. And they want so, to so say- So Sam is a surface to air missile. So like the stuff we're using now or could be using to shoot other Chinese intrusions right. out of the sky. There you go. We won't be back to baseline for seven years if we started this instant. Exactly. And the, you know, the cute thing is the Biden administration is like, no, no, we're just helping them with money and machinery. Who operates this money and machinery? Do you just give them an M1 Abrams tank and you're like, Figure here are the out. keys, yeah. go ahead, drive it down Broadway in downtown Kiev? Or who operates these batteries? Who operates these SAMs? American soldiers. You know, and it's cute by a half. You know who's on the ground right now? American contractors who used to be soldiers, who have a job with the United States government so they can say there's no uniformed officers on the ground. Yeah. We are entering the Afghan phase of entry into the Ukraine, and we're going to be there yeah. unless this government... And, and what could go wrong, folks? Russia sits on 6,000-plus nuclear missiles. You have a, a dictator, clearly, who many are saying is unwell, but who is also probably overseeing what I imagine most think is the great underperform of, like, yeah. modern military warfare. Meaning everyone figured, hey, Russia will steamroll these guys, they'll be over in two weeks, and everyone's realized, like, wow, like, Russia's a paper tiger, but for the nukes. But, like, you know, ground forces clearly not up to par. They're doing that. Well, a lot of that's because we're bolstering that aid and everything like that. But, again, what's the worst that could happen when you have a lunatic egomaniac uh, with 6,000 nukes saying, hey, we've been basically at war with the United States, not Ukraine? And that's the problem, and he knows that. He knows that. Xi Jinping knows that. They've partnered together. They've partnered with Iran, and they're saying America is lighting itself on fire, depleting of itself the resources. Here's another thing. They won't even take our phone calls. Remember, we'll get to the balloon thing, but these leaders in Russia and China will not take the phone calls of our Secretary of State, our Secretary of Defense, our, Joint, our Chief of Staff at the White House, or anything like that, like they did, like I was yeah. on during the Trump administration, because they have no respect for the commander-in-chief in our chain of command here. And that, to me, is the biggest harm to American national security. I don't blame them. No, they're right, I don't, I, what I they look at our do. generals like Millie, like, hey, we're going to call and give you a heads up before we do anything. Or, you know, I really want to understand white rage. Like, <laughs> I, I should have never even heard of before. Like, he really wants to understand. I'm like, how about, like, like understanding war? Like, I, we've been at war for 20 years. Like, maybe figure out how to win one for a change. Like, but they don't want that. And, you know, you're going to take Blinken's phone call? He got up there after the mm -hmm. Afghan debacle and said to the world, like, there, I believe the exact quote was, he was shocked and dismayed that the Taliban did not, remember this one, did not install a more diverse and inclusive government. I mean, did they think like they were going to have like a trans coalition on the Taliban government that spent 20 years <laughs> throwing homosexuals off of buildings? Like, I don't, yeah. I don't understand. Like, the, these are not serious people. Like, why would you take their call at this point? What's worse is that I think they're evil intended. And let me give you two examples. One, this DOD's first action in the Biden administration, what we call CONOPS, Concepts of Operations, how the DOD moves its machinery, you know, how to take on terrorism, how to get us out of Afghanistan. Their first CONOP in the Biden administration was on climate change. The Department of Defense's first operational plan to move 3 million employees in the United States of America was on climate change and whether or not the sun would set tomorrow. Why I say that sort of... Well, and, and, and white supremacy is and the white, greatest threat to, like, I'm trying to figure... I, didn't, I met these people. I hope I don't, never do. But, like, these are not a large faction. But I'm sure this stuff exists. But, like, 
tiny, 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 it's all bullet. They don't have anything going after, you know, like the African-American gentleman that mowed down a, you know, a Christmas parade that was clearly saying racist stuff because it's not racist if someone other than a white male Republican wearing a MAGA hat and an <laughs> AR-15 does it, right? No, you're absolutely right. Or you. Or me. <laughs> yeah. You know, we'll talk about that later. Um, but the second serious part of that uh, tragic consequence of that focusing on white rage and the climate is you make the men and women in our intel community and military focus on that target. Yeah. And what happens? China and Russia come in while we're looking left and, and we're spending billions in the Ukraine and they come in and say, how can we get after our adversary's stupidity? You know what you do? We'll fly aerial balloons over there. Yeah. You know what we'll do? We'll By the way, one that doesn't get discovered till it's well into our airspace. Exactly. Others that make it all the way through. And then when we do discover it, it takes six days to shoot it down. Again, you got a question like, does China have something on Joe Biden? Because they must be looking and like laughing their asses off. No, and, so, and just and just go so back. Talk to about that. I mean, what's going through the process? Like how it like it feels like when they finally shot down that other balloon, and then they start talking about shooting the other ones down. It's like he was bullied in it by Twitter. It's like <laughs> or Truth Social. Like people on social media were like, uh, "Do you think it's a great idea to allow them to continue to gather information?" Like, no, no, no. We're gonna let them get through the spy. Now, I'm sure they could do a lot of this stuff with satellites. They're doing it with TikTok. I'm sure they have much more sophisticated stuff than big fucking balloons. But like, it's the notion that it just goes unchallenged, and they're testing us to see just how far they can push it. And the answer is really far. No, they've they've already won. They've won the actual intel collection game and the propaganda game. Now, look, let's just take the one balloon and we'll talk about the others later. We have to look at it from an intelligence collection standpoint. What's its payload? What's its movement? Why didn't NORTHCOM, Northern Command, a combatant command that is responsible for the territorial safety of the United States of America, detect this thing when it was hitting the Aleutian Islands in Alaska? And then why did it take seven days of intel collection that China was getting live feedback? Because they were doing diversity and inclusion, inclusion. training. <laughs> no, but the, the, no, the right. answer is serious. Like, I, I actually, I, I had this conversation with a bunch of my buddies that were like SEAL team guys. And I'm like, they've told me like, they spend more time doing that crap than they do shooting. I'm like, I just want the SEALs to be able to go kill the bad guys. Like. And I said that publicly at a speech, and like the left, oh my God, Don Jr. thinks this is true. And a bunch of them were like, no, it is true. Like, stop this shit. It's got to stop. It's dangerous. But it's happening across the board. And it's, it's allowing for these weaknesses to be exacerbated and perpetuated. Yeah, and let me give you an example. So I've never talked about the intelligence framework and how we've set it up publicly uh, because I never had the opportunity to. But during the Trump administration, you can only have so many tier one targets, right? Yeah. And we had China, Russia, terrorism, Afghanistan, Iran, and maybe one other thing as tier one targets. That focused your intel collection standpoint to go after those hard targets. Yeah. When you are collecting against them, you know what doesn't happen? We don't get blown up here. We kill terrorists overseas. You know what happens? Donald Trump brings home 54 American hostages. He winds us out of three never-ending wars without losing a single American civilian casualty. But when you switch it off to white rage and the sunset and other biodiversity yeah. gender projects, I hate to make fun of it, these things happen. Four aerial objects over the United States in one week span. China laughing all the way home with the intel they got. And by the way, no one has actually sat down to connect with where this balloon was going over. It was going over military installations of the United yeah. States. Nuclear launch files, sites. Yeah. Nuclear launch sites and farmland that the government of China has been buying up in the United States of America since Biden took office. This is not 
a snap-witted decision by the CCP. They connect the dots before they launch this thing. And do you think this is the only balloon up in the air right no, now? No, of course not. What about not. underwater? What about satellites? What about Chinese spies that are literally still in America? Why hasn't Joe Biden expelled every Chinese diplomat from the United States of well, America? Well, by the way, like they ended the program that Trump had under DOJ yeah. looking into Chinese espionage because like this is Biden administration. His DOJ ended it because it perpetuated, I guess, racist things against <laughs> the Chinese. I mean, if they're committing espionage, like, it, it, this is their focus. But remember when President Trump expelled the Russian diplomats, right? Yeah. That was an appropriate reaction. Of course it was. To what Vladimir Putin was doing with us. Now, Joe Biden has had that opportunity. Not one person in the public, not one person in his cabinet has said, why don't we expel the Chinese diplomats here for that balloon stunt? Not one. And when Milley went to call his counterpart after we detected the balloon, or I believe we detected it earlier, they just yeah. lied to the American people about it, that guy wouldn't even take his phone call. He wouldn't take the phone call from the guy who said, I'll call China if we're going to attack them during the Trump administration. Yeah. This is how much respect they have for our military leadership which is why we are in the hole we are in, and that is a loss for America. Well, so, okay, like, obviously the balloon stuff seems like it's really real, but it also feels like it could be a distraction. I think we're guilty yeah. of this on the conservative side. We find the one thing that mm -hmm. they're doing that's incompetent, and we pounce on it. But, like, you read the Nord Stream 2 article, right? There was a, that article by a journalist that basically was like, and of course we did it. Like, of course, like, just like, when was... When was the Wuhan lab leak theory not the most plausible answer? Uh, so for those of you who didn't know, Nord Stream, the big pipeline, gas pipeline from Russia to Germany and all that stuff was blown up while we were doing military exercises or shortly thereafter. And like this happens, we took out a Russian billion dollar pipeline, I guess just prior to their invasion of Ukraine. And we're like, it was probably the Russians. I'm like, why would the Russians <laughs> blow up their billion dollar pipeline that would allow them to fuel their war? But like the fact that we do it, it's so obviously us. It's a precursor to this. Like, is that not an act of war? And like, is is some of the balloon stuff a distraction from the fact that this stuff came out this week and no one's talking about? We took a preemptive strike against the largest nuclear power in the world who we're now in a proxy war with. I'm like, feels like a really big freaking deal. And yet it's like, oh, well, you know, and again, it was always the most plausible solution. But like it happens and we're like, oh, yeah, the Russians did it to themselves. I'm like, the Russians shot themselves for, it cost themselves billions of dollars and or the stream of income. They're like, not that dumb. Like, it, it made no sense, and it never does, but, like, everyone, the media is doing us such a disservice because they just, they take the DNC talking points, they buy the administration talking points, they run with them, even if they make no sense whatsoever, and, like, we don't actually have any real information about a plausible act of war against the world's largest nuclear power. No, you're, so you're right, and, and it's a terrible distraction, this whole 99 red love balloon thing. It's, we're not talking about Hunter Biden's laptop. We're not talking about election rigging. We're not talking about Joe Biden's failure across the board. But worse off, our enemies are using it to gain more access into the United States of America. Mm -hmm. And from a national security intel standpoint, let's go to Nord Stream, okay? Mm -hmm. Remember, the Trump administration shut that pipeline down. Yeah. Shut it down hard. You, we sanctioned them so hard they didn't have the ability to finish it. What did Biden do? Let's reverse the, let's reverse the clock. Biden comes in. And I'm sure that's not done because of anything that they have holding over his head. Right. I'm exactly. sure that. I'm sure no that. Leverage. And if we had a real press, they'd ask that question. But no one's even asked. I bet you. I bet you Hunter Biden got an advisory contract on Nord Stream. I, wait till that document comes out. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, Joe Biden reverse course of the Trump administration policy allowed Russia to finish the Nord Stream two pipeline. 
and then allowed Russia to fund Germany's gas needs yeah. and the rest of Western Europe and an intel collection standpoint against United States interests. Now it comes out that America probably blew it up. And here's the thing. Do we have the capability to do that as a former chief of staff of DOD? Yeah, we can do that. But yeah. the question is, Joe Biden screwed up. Then, like he always does, has the media try to cover for him and then insert some ridiculous national security program to go in there and upend the world order to put us on the brink of World War III. And nobody is talking about it yeah. because the media, as you said, doesn't want to hurt Joe Biden and the radical left-wing agenda. Well, it, it also feels like they, the way they did it based on the article, it was like the way to circumvent Congress. And, you know, this administration, right, that Trump was going to get us into World War III. Trump's the only guy that seemed to keep us out of it, right? We're, we're further along that path. But also, this is going to be the administration of transparency. But they seem to avoid being able to bring this to anyone in Congress. Now, again, I, I understand that if they still had Adam Schiff and Swalwell on the Intel Committee, it would have leaked in seconds to get a, you know, a nice hit piece on Republicans on CNN. But, you know, how does that happen? Because it feels like this is never ending. I mean, you were senior counsel to the House Intelligence Committee, right? You were the guy, the architect of that memo. How do we stop this stuff from happening again? What did you do then? How did you get the information? And like, go into detail. How do the Republicans, how does Jim Jordan, uh, how does James Comer, how do the guys now that have been tasked with doing this stuff, how do they get these in, this information? Because I know they'll try to slow roll it. Yeah. Uh, I know everyone's going to put up everything. How do we make sure that the Republicans actually follow through on the task that they were given to by the American people, that they don't get stalled, that they don't get laid and mired in the bureaucracy? How do we get that information? How do we make it happen? How did you do it? Uh, for Russia, Russia. There's a couple of simple ways, and I and I write about it in my new book, Government Gangster. Sorry, selfish. No, listen, but, check it out. It's, but, uh, it's not out yet, but it's coming out. But as Donald Trump called it, it's the blueprint for how we win back the White House and win back our agencies in government to work for the American people. And how you do it is you have to actually hold these people, these government gangsters, as I call them, accountable. What do you do? Okay, the same thing we did in Russiagate. It's not rocket science. You don't have to be a lawyer or some fancy intel guy to figure this stuff out. One, follow the money, follow the money, follow the money. What does that require? Subpoenas got to go out the door at these committees of weaponization of government and Comer's Oversight Committee yesterday against the people that we know, like the James Baker and company that are outside of government mm -hmm. and those that are inside of government, the FBI Election Security Task Force. Subpoena every single one of those people yesterday. Then subpoena the banking records for every financial transaction between the FBI and big tech, between Twitter, between Facebook. And I bet you, I've never said this publicly, I bet you there are dozens of contracts between the FBI and big tech for billions yeah. of and dollars. And or you retire from the FBI only to be hired by Twitter or Facebook Baker. next, seven seconds later. Yeah. Uh, it, well, I, I mean, we all watched some of that testimony. I mean, it seems clear. Like, A, they perjure themselves. They lied before Congress. If, if I had done that in my 50 hours of like, testimony, I'd be oh, in jail right now. I, was, <laughs> I mean, it, it never ends, but there was, no, there was nothing there. Here, there's, there's real stuff. Yeah. I mean, how did you do it with, you know, Russia, Russia, Russia? Yeah. So you were like the chief guy looking for that. You found out, and Devin, who you worked for, mm -hmm. was the only man in America, including, frankly, the Republican side, yeah. who was actually the only guy 100% right about everything. Yeah. You got it. Now, he was discredited. He was vilified. He was called every name in the book. Because, again, we're not in a fair fight. We're, we're up against big tech mm -hmm. and their trillion-dollar platforms. We're up against mainstream media, their trillion-dollar platforms, and all of the Democrat causes. You know, we don't, we're not on the same footing. Mm -hmm. you know, how do we change that? Because uh, I think the American people are finally seeing it. It's gone so insane 
that they can't help but be like, shit, like, okay, like, this is ridiculous. We're, we're not being told the truth. But I, I could see a situation where Republicans go at it the way we always have. Okay, well, we're doing the best we can, oh shucks, and they just stall us to death. They wait till someone else takes over. They maybe win back the House. They end it all, and it's all for nothing. Yeah, so let me unpack that for us. I talked about issuing subpoenas for people. Then you got to issue subpoenas for the receipts, the documents. Because what I learned in my time in government is that the people that did Russiagate, Comey, Clapper, McCabe, Strzok, all these people, these government gangsters, are so corrupt and so egotistical that they will write down their own wrongdoing because they'll think no one will ever catch us. So you have to go get the FBI's documentation, the DOJ's documentation, the DOD's documentation. So you got to subpoena every single document on these committees. We have the authority to do so. Yeah. It's like Schiff with Twitter, where he's literally yeah. telling them, like, I mean, even Twitter was like, ah, oh, it's a little too far. Like, you know, yeah. like we're, we're leftist fucking lunatics, but like, that's a little bit far. We're not going to censor other congressmen to that extent. And, and yet, he can do it every day and get on TV and lie about it. He can. And, and there's no consequence or ramifications. And yet, again, what they did to Devin, they tried to drive him out of Congress. Yeah. You know, he's not, he's not that guy, but they would have done anything to make that happen. They made it hard for him to do his day job. They made it hard for him to maintain, you know, a, a powerful position on a committee to be able to do that. We're not playing the same game the other side is playing. They're much more vicious. They're much more intelligent about it. We're, we're playing a game like we're pretending they're still even pretending to be decent actors. And I don't think, I think that ship has sailed. There's not even a pretense yeah. of objectivity from the other side of so this So let's borrow the rules of the road and let's use the January 6th unselect committee. I was the first person subpoenaed by the January 6th unselect committee. It cost me 250 grand in legal fees. Why do these subpoenas have to go out the door immediately? Let's do to them what they did to us and our entire team. Except the only difference is we were working for America and they're working against America. So the subpoena's got to go out the door. Then you start bringing in witnesses for these things called transcribed interviews. And they don't have to be public right away. Mm -hmm. You went through it. Yeah. You sit in a closed room for 10 hours, for 20 hours, and you pepper them with questions. Then you get the receipts, the subpoena documents that you have, and you give them to the American public. And I know your next question. Well, these guys aren't going to give them over. These government gangsters are going to hold these documents because it hides yeah. their corruption. There is one way in Congress that you can get the documents from every single agency and department. And it's called this thing called fencing. The Speaker of the House has to come in and give the authority to the chairs, Comer and Jordan in this instance, to say, you as the chairman have the ability now that the subpoenas are out the door to fence pockets of money from the FBI, from DOJ, from DOD, from CIA. And I'm not saying take operational funds. I'm saying take the 10 grand, the, pet the 10 million for the pet yeah. project, the new building here, the armchair there, the 10 new Escalades there. And you start, and now start millions start adding up to 10 million. They start adding up to 20 million and you hold it. We'll release the funds and Congress has the ability to do this retroactively. Even though it was last year's budget, this year they can hold it. And I did it once under in Russiagate because Paul Ryan was feckless and only allowed me to do it one time. But I mean, think about it, that's what we're working against, folks. So you had this ability. We could have discovered the Russia, Russia hoax before yeah. spending 50 million in U.S. government taxpayer funds, before dragging the country through three years of bullshit, uh, preventing an agenda from being able to be as effective or you know, have the efficacy that it could have had because you actually still had the problem with BS is you still have to deal with BS, right? Yeah. So it, it was just time and distraction away from getting things done that were great for the American people. So listen, Kevin McCarthy was my first interview on this podcast wow. with another person. I mean, I think we got to just 
talk to him. We've got to get other people to pressure Congress to do this, to make sure we do it. Paul Ryan is a weak, feckless imbecile. He wanted to be loved in D.C. Mm -hmm. His wife's a big lib, all this stuff. He wanted to be invited to the cool person party. And in D.C., what people don't know, you can be a Republican in D.C. and have a really easy existence if you're weak, if you're a pathetic pussy. You can have a great existence there because they know that when they need you, you'll be there for the Democrats. You can go back to wherever you are in the Midwest and have an R by your name and tell you know, a small a group, seat. you'll get a board seat somewhere. They'll, they'll love you because you're weak. We can't allow that to happen because that's my thing. They're going to try to run out the clock. It's not going to be like us. They're not going to be playing nice. They will sit there and delay everything. They'll have all the information. We could have them dead to rights, but no one's ever going to see it if we don't take these measures. And just imagine how much more we would know about Russiagate today if we had had used this power before. Let me finish the, the strategy. Yep. If these committees fenced the money, what we did back then was we fenced like $4 million, not even in government speak, that's like 10 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> Overnight, 1,000 pages of FBI and DOJ documentation showed up to my office doorstep the next morning, including the illegal FISA, including the Bruce Orr 302s, including the bogus Christopher Steele information, including the amounts of money they paid, taxpayer money, to the unlawful sources they used to gin up dirt on Donald Trump paid for by the DNC. That happened overnight in one instance. <laughs> Look at the authority we have with this new speaker and this new team. If we sent out just a hundred subpoenas and then used the fencing power on say 10 of them, we would have enough ammunition to arm the American people with the truth. And I'm not saying do a thousand things. Pick two. Yeah. Okay. That, two. I think that's important, right? Because I think, you know, you want to go after the laptop. You want to go after this. You want to China, Russia, this. That, like, what are the? What would be your? You know, obviously, even have once you get out of sort of that, you have the border and the fentanyl crisis and all. What would be the two, three things that you would say? Hey, there's. This is where we expose the government corruption at the end of this. It's probably a little bit under all of them, but what would be the big ones that we should be focusing yeah. on? Because I think that's part of the other tactic. There's so much out there you want to focus, but there's only so much time, only so much energy, only, only so much manpower to go after it. If you're going after a thousand little things, you'll never get to that next level where you're like, oh, here. Once you have that, oh, here moment, I feel like... That's when the floodgates open because you know it's probably the same for each of the thousand things, but you just got to get to one or two of those big ones to expose it all. Yeah, so I got three for you. So the first one is DOJ FBI. We know the two-tier system of justice. We've talked about it with whatever, Hunter Biden's laptop, Russiagate, rigging elections, etc. FBI, DOJ, got to go after them hard. Two, the border. The border, the border, the border. We know it's an invasion. We know Chinese fentanyl is pouring in through our streets. And we know Mayorkas is doing nothing about it because Biden has directed him to do so. So let's do those two things. The third one is Fauci and COVID. That's yeah. the third one, that we have to go after the vax mandates, the lack of intelligence, and the lying to the American people that cost millions of people their lives. If we do those three things, just imagine if we do those three things somewhat well. How yeah. much information and accountability we could have out there for the American public. We could win back the middle that was lied to for the last seven years, and we could steer this country back on the course to having government work for the American people. Yeah, listen, I think, I think those are so good. And again, for me, it's like, there's ones I take personally, like the Hunter Biden thing. I take it so personally, <laughs> but yeah, is it, maybe it is. But, you know, maybe it becomes, but there's so many. It's mm -hmm. so bad. And I, I do think, you know, 
I, I think, and I talk about this on the show a lot, I sort of say, like, you got to sort of support the red state economy. Like, the mm -hmm. other side, well, you know, you see it, but people are finally waking up to it, right? People, Disney stock is down because we're sick of getting this crap jammed down our throats. Netflix, the same thing. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, but they all say, well, build your own if you don't like it. Well, you do. And then Amazon Web Services throws you off their servers. And, they, you know, like, they don't make it that easy. I mean, you've been a big part of that with Truth Social and just trying to, you know, combat that. You know, what are your thoughts on that? Because, you know, I'd love not to live in two, sort of two separate Americas right now. But I don't think we have a choice. I mean, the other side, you see it with the difference between the rioters of the 2020 Summer of Love, uh, you know, all, all over the country, murder, uh, mayhem, looting, arson. And you see January 6th people, half of what, you see people that were taking selfies that are in jail for two years uh, for, for peacefully protesting, uh, you know, something that, frankly, uh, was pretty sketchy to begin with. How do we, how do you reconcile some of that? And I think the only way to do it is to talk is through those investigations we outlined because they all fall under that. When you talk DOJ, FBI, you encompass the January 6th folks. When you talk COVID vaccine mandates and the farce that were they perpetrated on the world, mm -hmm. that's all Fauci and COVID. But the only way I've learned, in my opinion, that the American people care is not by having government officials or firmer government officials recite to them what they think happened. Show them the documents. Get out the proof like yeah. we did during Russiagate. Don't listen to me. Don't listen to that chairman. Don't listen to this high-ranking former official. Look at this FBI memo. Look at this DOD memo. Look yeah. at Fauci's written word. Look at him lying to the American people after he read an intelligence report one day and said the exact opposite thing the next day. There is nothing, in my opinion, yeah. more powerful to redirect Americans to say, okay, we were lied to. Because that's the hard part. Though. Yeah, didn't James Comer, like today, said, well, it's not exactly what I said. I'm like, no, bullshit. 51 Intel people told us that the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinfo. Uh -huh. I'd be willing to bet that 100% of them knew that was not the case, but they had a result that they wanted to get to. They, they knew they'd be getting mm -hmm. positions back within government. They knew they'd be getting a contributorship on CNN or MSDNC or one of the leftist, you know, just propaganda you know, creation machines. I bet you they all knew that that wasn't the case. And I bet you all of those same people knew that Russia, Russia, Russia was bullshit from moment number one, or at least within the first few weeks of it, they knew it was there, but they stayed silent on that and did the opposite to protect Joe Biden and the Democrats. And that, that's a great point. So the other piece of this entire thing that we're talking about is the fake news mafia. And you bring up a great point. James Clapper today actually going after political. Yeah, I said, I mean, I said can, no, but, yeah. but, but yeah. Can, can you believe Clapper. it? Clapper, yeah. the guy who signed the letter, the former uh, head of the CIA and director of national intelligence, along with former SecDefs and 50 other people, signed this memo, and it, the letter and the article were good for two-plus years, but now you have these former government gangsters going back and saying, Politico actually did us a disservice. That is... The perfect example for the American people to say an election was rigged, they were in on it, they got caught, yeah. and now this they're is blaming like, the media that helped put it up. This is like their mea culpa. You know, they could have yeah. spoken up during this whole time, but it's like, it, because there's no consequence. Again, they got, what people don't understand is it's not like, oh, well, we got him now. It's like, no, no, no. They got what they wanted. They were able to complete their objective. It was always a lie, and that didn't matter. They got what they wanted, and now they say, "Oh, my bad. It was a little bit. It was a little bit off." But you know, it's two years later. It doesn't really matter. No, we're not going to cry over spilled milk. I got like, a consequence for you, though. That this is pretty cool, and I kind of just thought of it on the spot. 
So all these people, Clapper, the former sec devs, uh, Leon Panetta, all these guys that signed this letter, you know how they make their money? They still have an active security clearance. They still have an active top secret security clearance. You know who gives it to them? The United States Congress. You know what we can do? Take the money that sponsors their active security clearances and shut them down for lying to the American people and rigging a presidential and congressional election. Okay, so that that's a, that's another one we got to bring to these guys. Yeah, right, 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 right. Right. Sorry, listen, sorry to add another one. I, no, listen, yeah. I, I want, but listen, I want them to be proactive. But these are big jobs. I got to get you know, like it's big jobs. There's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of distractions. Sure. There's a lot of again, sort of you know, shiny objects over here. Don't focus on that. But like these are big ones, and I think we have to do that. And I think like the people watching have to understand sort of the inside baseball. And maybe that's what's sort of missing. Everyone, like, you know, I, I got a lot of crap initially when I was like, I was supporting Kevin McCarthy for speaker. Like, I know I want this guy. I'm like, but that guy has no chance of winning. Like, right. if, you know, if, uh, you know, McCarthy didn't get 20 votes, that guy would have not gotten 90 votes from Republicans <laughs> on the first ballot. So there's like, there's a guy. So what people don't always understand is sort of the difference between, you know, jockeying for TV time and Twitter likes and campaign fundraising emails with a hot take that is just not rooted in, anything based on fact or reality and, and reality. So, but these are big ones that I think we can bring to them. And that, you know, I, th I think we have to, because that's how things are going to get done. And, you know, I think what I've been really happy with what McCarthy's done so yeah. far and the people he's put on there and the ideas and the things that they're taking on, but we, we got to make sure that we, we follow through in the proper way. He's responding to a lot of what happened because there was debate. And I think that's important. I knew a lot of that stuff he was going to do beforehand. That's why I was supportive to begin with, but we got to get it to that next level so that we actually get over the line yeah. and they don't just stall us where everything's waiting in a box to be delivered and there's an election. It's like, ah, just kidding. We're not giving you crap. And here's the thing. And about, they're playing that game they for are. sure. And here's the thing, even about our Republicans and the guys we like, they are in an elected office for every two or six years. So unless the constituents remind them on a daily basis that this one investigation is important to yeah. the DOJ, or this one investigation about the border and COVID, or this one investigation about Fauci, unless they are reminded every single day by the Americans who ask you when you're on the road and you talk to the millions of Americans that you talk to, then they will not follow through because the bandwidth. Look, I'm telling you yeah. from being on the inside during Russiagate and quarterbacking that thing. Everybody had a million and one ideas when I was running this investigation. Yeah. Why aren't you doing this? What about calling this guy? What about doing that? You just got to focus on a couple of lines of effort. We went after the money and DOJ, the DNC, the FBI, yeah. and the media, and we won. And that playbook can win again if we just use it on the right targets. I think that's right. I mean, what we saw with the release of some of the Twitter files, we understand, like, yeah. hey, no one's... Like, no one's pretending that we're in, like, a, a fair fight anymore. So I think that was good. I think you see, you know, James Baker and the FBI and Twitter trying to actively suppress this. I mean, you know, you see the connection, obviously, with Russia, Biden, Hunter, all of this stuff all coming together. But, yeah, you're, we got to focus on one, those couple things so that we can get, uh, you know, out there. So give us a little bit, like, I, I think we want to... You know, there's so much here. We could talk about that one for weeks, but <laughs> yeah. give us a little bit like behind the scenes working in the Trump administration. Uh, you know, what did you like about it? What were the challenges? What was the, you know, the good, the bad and the ugly? Uh, it was, was there a story that sort of gives you <laughs> indicative of the insanity, you know, obviously uh, within the confines of your you know, classified? <laughs> yeah, no, look, so working for President Trump, you know, some of the greatest jobs I'll ever have, chief of staff at DOD, deputy director of Intel, and I also ran counterterrorism for him at the White House. And he said, look, on, the, on these lines of effort, let's do a couple of things. Wipe out al-Qaeda senior leadership, kill the emirs of ISIS, bring home American hostages, end the forever wars, and protect America. That's a pretty apolitical mission. Yeah. And... 
We added meat to every one of those lines of effort by bringing home 54 American hostages, more than every president mm -hmm. before him combined. And we didn't brag about it by killing Baghdadi, by killing Soleimani. I was in the Situation Room when these calls were being wait, made. Wait, wait. Do you mean austere religious yes, scholar? Yes, if you're with CNN. So, yes, if you're with the Washington Post, you know, he's, he's not yeah. the leader of Al-Qaeda or ISIS yeah. or whatever it is. He's an austere religious scholar because that's what we're up against. Like this, you know, yeah. you read those headlines and you're like, it must be a joke. Like, I, I feel like I'm being, I'm waiting for Ashton Kutcher to jump out of a cake and be like, ah, you're being punked. Like, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but like, they're serious. But there is one story for me that encapsulated, and I've never told it publicly, about working for President Trump and why we were so motivated to put the mission first, as I write about in my book, Government Gangsters. We were giving a, the highest presidential honor we could give to a clandestine unit for an operation that we did to safeguard the world. And we were down there at the unit headquarters, and President Trump's there. And we had an American hostage being held uh, or he's captured somewhere in Africa. And so I take the boss and I pull him aside and I say, sir, I know you're busy with this stuff, but it took me five minutes to explain it to him. He assembled his team and he goes, so what's the ask? And he goes, sir, we need your authority to retrieve this American hostage. He goes, yeah, go after it. What's the next target? And it wasn't funny or comical. It was just methodical. He was like, so of course we protect Americans. Yeah. And you know what the awesome part is? This raid happened. It was one of the fastest raids that ever occurred without loss of life, the quickest retrieval. And it happened because Donald Trump said to do it. Even though Mark Esper, his secretary of defense at the time, uh, tried to abort that mission, it happened because of his courageous leadership. And he said, as a commander in chief, we are going unless there is threat to operational force of mission. And when you talk to the guys, like you guys know, the SEAL guys and all these guys and our special forces operators and our brave warriors, you ask them when you're in that, when you're downrange with them, you learn whether or not they can be in trouble. And what President Trump understood more than anyone was never jeopardize U.S. soldiers' lives unnecessarily, but utilize them at every instance to safeguard America, whether it was killing hostages or bringing home, or excuse me, killing uh, terrorists or bringing home hostages. And in that one moment, you should have seen the uproar in the room because we were, we were just so motivated to get after it. And that's the type of commander-in-chief he was. We knew we could rely on him to put the American First Mission out there, and we knew we could rely on him to carry the flack that the media was going to give him no matter what the victory was or wasn't. And um, to me, the way he had me lead us out of Afghanistan was one of the honors of my life because we went out on a methodical fashion. We flew 65,000 miles to every theater of war we had on the ground to ask the soldiers in Afghanistan specifically, should we stay or should we go? And every single one of them said, it's time to leave, sir. And we left and not one of them died uh, because we did it not for the headline. Like yeah. this they, they accelerated by two weeks. They get it in yeah. the fighting season, not when they're in like the winter cave season. And like, of course they were going to take it back over that way. Like, but then we give them the biometric scanners and mm -hmm. the, I mean, what would you, okay. Trump 24. He runs <laughs> I love it. What, what would you do differently in these institutions? You know, because again, I think one of the things that was great was coming in without any governmental experience. Yeah. But I think that was also one of the things that they weaponized against you because they could slow roll. They put in someone, no, 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 this guy would be great. He's a real big Republican rhino. You know what I mean? Like, who's never going to do any of the things. What would you do differently? You know, perhaps both in government and then if we broke it down, if you were in charge of the FBI, what, re <laughs> no, what reforms would you make there to stop?
stop the politicization. I see it from like the guys that are doing the door kickers. They come up to me all the time. Like I see them, you know, I do a lot of shooting and all these things and like there's a lot of overlap and they're like, we're so embarrassed, it's disgusting, but we can't, like we'll lose our jobs if we talk about this stuff. Now, finally, there's some whistleblowers. Again, we gotta get it over the line because of course this was going on, but we gotta get it over the line because otherwise it doesn't matter. What would you do if you were in charge to prevent that from happening again? You know, it's one thing, personnel. And but how do you how do you figure that out? Because yeah. I, that's what I don't like in business. I always felt like you could find people's motivation because you know it's usually about money or you're trying to win or you know get a deal or get an asset. Like in politics, it's different. It's like everyone's playing a game of you know you know if this administration's going to be gone, I got to make sure to please the rhino that's going to be next in line so I get that. Next. Everyone's it's such an incestuous world yeah. that you think it's going to be right. You think the guy that's giving you advice is going to be giving you real advice, but he's not. Yeah, and so, it's all a setup for political capital to be cashed in later on. I agree. No and pun intended. <laughs> I agree, and that's why we, we, we went after things like the defense industrial complex. I mean, guys like Mark Esper leave to get their $10 million payday at Raytheon. That stuff has to end. Like Donald Trump came out and said already, one policy thing was, if you're in government, you can't go work in private tech. You can't go work in these big industries. But how you get it right is, and look, when you all came in for the first time, I'd already been in government for, I think, 13 years, worked for multiple administrations. You were right to entrust the senior leadership in government to do what? Work for the American yeah. people, not weaponize But, but they didn't. But that, they that's what's scary to me. When I was like, I still, you know, with all of the things, you know, when they went after General Flynn, when they went after some of these guys, some of the conversations, even with Devin, was like, I don't know, like, the CIA is saying it's false. Like, there's yeah. got there's to be some truth to it. The FBI, like, there's no way there could be this much smoke without fire. But the answer is, yes, there can. Yes, there is no limit to what they would do to lie to you to protect the power that they have, uh, you know, in all of these things, like, it's hard to fathom. For me as an outsider, I was like, yeah. there's no way they could be this, basically, anti-American. So the hard lift and is done. And yet they are. The hard lift is done, right? Yeah. We've proven, whether it's through Russiagate or whether it's through Jan 6 or Hunter Biden's laptop, we've proven these corrupt actors. So now the hard lift of saying the director of the FBI was corrupt, the AG is corrupt, the DOD leadership is corrupt. We now know that. We've seen that. We can show the American people tangible, actual efforts to say, we got to wipe these people out. The other thing I learned is, okay, who's the bench? Who do we bring in? Yeah. And what I can tell you from my 16 years in government that I promise you, whether it's the FBI or DOJ or DOD or CIA, that bench exists to put these people in positions of power. And I'm, I don't just mean cabinet secretaries. This is where yeah. we went wrong a little bit. Now, if we get the top one person in, we're good. Yeah. No. No, it's every actually the top one doesn't matter because they, they, everywhere along the yeah. chain, you know, yeah. I, I heard that, you know, my father give an order, get this done. Okay, sure. Well, what happened with that? Oh, oh yeah, I forgot about oh, that. Yeah. Two weeks goes by. And, and it just, it, it never ends. You actually got to get the guys below, yeah. you know, on the team to make sure that happens. No, so you're totally right. And the one thing we have to do is make sure we get the guys that are not on the team, America, out. And yeah. that's what I did in my book. And that's probably why the government won't release my manuscript. I named every government gangster by name that failed America in every single agency and department. Ooh. So they are on a blacklist. But All right, so that's government have- gangsters. When's it coming out? When the government releases my book. It's, it's out for pre-sale on governmentgangsters.com. And you can get a copy right now, but it's been three months and they still won't release my manuscript. That just tells yeah. you how on point we are. But what I'm proud of is the men and women I served with in the Trump administration in multiple agencies and departments. I've worked with all those people all over the world, and they are ready to be the next deputies, the next undersecretaries. Right. So next basically, I'm calling you be like, hey, we need some personnel. <laughs> if you do that, half of Congress yeah. is going to be really ticked off. Uh, hey, guess what? That's okay. I don't care if 100% is really ticked off. If we get it, and that was the point, it was like, 
Trump didn't do this because he needed the money or because we're the only ones that lost it. We did like I needed this like a hole in the fucking head. Like I was like, what? like, but I actually believe in this stuff. So once we were in the fight, it's like I'm gonna keep fighting. Yeah. It's why I'm doing this because I don't believe the media is serving us well. I don't think any. There's so few people, even those that like play the hard ass. Wow. It could, so few people are willing to actually take it where it needs to go. You know, they always soften it down because they understand there's a consequence if you're a conservative. Yeah. You know, speaking of those, I mean, we talked about January 6th a little bit earlier, right? We just, but we touched on it. But, you know, where did it all go wrong? How, how is it that there are people that are still, you know, there? Mm-hmm. You know, was there, I know you were in the room for some of this stuff. I mean, yeah. was the, the reluctance by Pelosi's and others to, to actually protect the cap? Was this a setup to allow something to happen? Uh, you know, because I, I do feel like, you, you can't have a conversation, not say that these people, again, violent offenders aside. Yeah. You know, sure. if people did something, you know, truly violent, I, you know, yeah, I, I, I saw some of that, but like 10, 12 people, 50, I don't know, maybe, you know, not, not a lot. And I saw a lot of people walking in velvet robes, taking selfies, maybe, you know, that are in jail two years later. What was wrong? How much of that was known or actually safeguarded against? Because I think a lot of people have been vilified about this thing, and a lot of people are in jail two years later, and yet... It seems like it was actually a setup. Yeah. So I was chief of staff at DOD on January 6th. Okay. So me and the SecDef were responsible for that entire National Guard mission set. And if you listen to nothing else I'm about to say, go read the January 6th committee's report on the Trump DOD's actions on January 6th. Yeah. So this is their report. So this is a totally biased partisan hack. Yeah. You know, and they still said. They still found that we acted without delay without unnecessarily delaying anyone, authorized the National Guard appropriately, and secured the facility. Now, if you, if you go into the weeds of that, which is why the January 6th committee didn't want my transcript released, and it was the last one they released on the midnight hour out the door, we called over there and we said, look, the National Guard, in order for it to be lawfully deployed in America, one, you need a presidential authorization and a request from the local mayor or governor, right? Pelosi or Bowser. Yeah. Four days before January 6th, I'm in the Oval Office, talking about a very sensitive operation with Donald Trump. And he goes, by the way, if you need up to 20,000 National Guards men and women authorized, roger that, sir. We got the first leg of that law done. Then we go to Pelosi and Bowser, and you know what they do? In writing, they refuse. So this goes to your point. Why would they refuse National Guard enforcement yeah. assistance? By the way, there was State of the, the Union Capitol. last week, and I watched them put up fencing. Barricade. You know, now they won't put a fence up at our border, that, that would actually stop fentanyl, sex <laughs> yeah. trafficking, human trafficking, you know, crime, murder, rape, you know, everything. But they put it around the Capitol, nothing there. And yet there were, they, I mean, presumably there were some people talking about, even, even if it was going to be a peaceful protest, like, hey, maybe you want to take some precautions. But they knew about it and they actively denied it. They did that. They didn't have the Capitol Police there and they didn't have uniform FBI whose mission it is to secure the Capitol there. They could have had all those things and the fence. Now let's fast forward. They were to too the- busy worried about, you know, moms who, who don't want, um, you know, their children being indoctrinated, being calling them domestic terrorists, I guess. But it goes to your point about... What were they thinking? They're not stupid. Pelosi's not stupid. Schumer's not stupid. They were thinking, okay, how do we maximize politically the next stage? So go to January 6th. Now, when we could have staged 10,000 National Guardsmen and women days in advance, and we didn't, um, Pelosi calls us. We're in the Secretary of Defense's office, and it's the middle of the incident on the Capitol Hill. And she goes, excuse me, Mr. Secretary, when are congressional food services going to be restored? I'm not kidding. Not making that up. 
We had already so, flown so leaders. It's the greatest threat to democracy ever. And she's worried about congressional food services. So, like, let's, you know, again, we saw a lot of acting and we saw a lot of crocodile tears and AOC was, yeah. you know, uh, it was a threat to her life from a building far away and other. But Nancy Pelosi could get on TV and all these other leaders and talk about the greatest threat to democracy and. Many said it was worse than 9-11 and worse than Pearl Harbor. It was all bullshit, but that was her concern that was her while it's going. statement. And mind you, we had already flown congressional leadership and military aircraft to a safe location. But we'll talk about that later. So now we're like, ma'am, our priority is assisting law enforcement. We are the National Guard. You do not want uniformed military officers. And oh, by the way, it's illegal yeah. for us to deploy domestically. And they finally gave us the authorization we needed to complete the second part of the law. We had the fastest deployment of the United States National Guard to the District of Columbia since the Revolutionary War. And it was the largest cold start since World War II. We kitted up, deployed, and employed 15,000 National Guardsmen and women in less than three hours wow. to safeguard the Capitol. And then you talk about fencing. That night, I called DHS and other companies or other agencies and said, where's the no-climb fence? We don't know. We don't have one. I went out and bought one. Put it up overnight with our brave National Guardsmen and women. These are all things they could have done to secure the security yeah. of the Capitol, but they chose not to do it. And that's the thing people need to take away from January 6th, especially when the January 6th committee tells you we did it right under the Trump administration. That tells you everything you need to know about their entire investigation. But it doesn't matter because that's not. <laughs> no, but it, it, yeah. it, it, it doesn't matter because in the eyes of the average American, they'll never hear that story. Hopefully they'll watch this. Hopefully you share it with your friends. But like they'll never hear that for two years. They were berated with it's an affront to democracy. It's mm -hmm. this, that and the other. And it was all garbage. Insurrection. Insurrection. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like the, the dumbest, like first first and only unarmed insurrection in the history of insurrections it's never been done before but you know they they want you to believe this stuff so you know i guess you know while while we're talking about sort of the government lying to you uh you know recently there's been the information that's come out about uh the cia uh and the deep state being involved in both the removal of nixon the cia's murder of uh jfk uh, what was your reaction to that? As someone who knows sort of how the sausage is made, yeah. you know, and it seems, again, it seems now, you know, 50 years later, obviously the stuff was happening and obviously they were doing it. But like now that it's out there and everyone's sort of pretending, like, how do the Amer how should the American people look at this stuff, uh, knowing that it's probably going on right now in Russiagate and it's probably going on else? What are the other ones that are out there that, you know, no one's really talking about that is probably being manipulated by these agencies. Yeah, look, because of their past actions and recent actions, Russiagate onward, it's right to be skeptical of everything from, you know, what we talk about JFK, Nixon and onwards. But I think for me, you know, having worked on the actual JFK files, which I can't get into, but the Trump administration actually did do a declassification of a, of a portion of it. And from my standpoint, and I'm, I'm probably not going to be a fan favorite for this one, we put out everything that everyone needs to know. Having read everything in there, really? it's already out there. And mm -hmm. so I think what we're doing now is chasing around shiny objects and the left is out there saying they're talking about the JFK assassination instead of talking about whatever's important. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah, but, well, I mean, we're on the brink of war, but, but there's a balance. There's a balance. I think the balance needs to be what should we question our government about? And the things that we need to be questioning them about are things like election integrity, COVID, the border and things that we talked about not necessarily specific instances that happened 20, 30, 40 years ago, mm -hmm. but things that our modern electorate remembers that they were lied to about. Yeah. And that's how we change the mission going forward. 
um, in my opinion. I don't think we need to get bogged down on certain deep dives yeah. of, you know, government. I guess that is the of, distraction taking you away from Russia. I hate to say it, but some of them are the actually conspiracies. A lot of them yeah. aren't. But some of them just Well, listen, are. I'd say the conspiracy theorists are batting a lot yeah, yeah, better batting right. average than, than <laughs> the experts in the media yeah. and all that. But, okay, so you mentioned a couple times election integrity, and I think that's obviously an important one. But, you know, from what you know, from the intel side of stuff, being both in the House side, being in all... How bad is it? Because, you know, again, I don't know that there's there's not one system that's being utilized. And I don't think we should be falling for the, you know, the ghost of Hugo Chavez came back to manipulate <laughs> the Dominion machines. Like, I don't, I, I, that's right. that's the distraction. But I do feel there is a lot of evidence stuff going on on the ground. It doesn't take a lot of people and they don't have to necessarily be synced with anything to change these things. I do find a lot of coincidence that seems to only break to the benefit of one side. Yeah. You know, what, what are your thoughts on that? So I think one of the biggest lessons people learn from the last two election cycles is how American constitutional republic actually works. It is not for the federal government to go out there and dictate how elections are supposed to be run. That is a statewide matter. And people have learned the importance of state secretaries of state mm -hmm. and state AGs and state gubernatorial positions. That's great. Where we failed in some of those states, like Arizona, Nevada, and others, was to get people elected to those positions to change yeah. the rules to secure elections. So I think that's step one. Step two is, look, this is another thing that I say when I go out on the road and speak. They're like, how do we make it so we win the next election cycle? You want to know how we do it? Go big on election ballot harvesting. I don't really yeah. like it, but listen, that's the uh, rule I, of the, the land. Way, this has been like a tenant of this show from episode okay, one. I, I told I go, guys, it, and I'm going to get criticized for this. Like, the, at this point, the candidate almost doesn't matter, mm -hmm. right? John Fetterman, who's basically one step short of a vegetable, it, you know, maybe he's one step ahead of the average. I, I don't even, like, got elected yeah. a senator in Pennsylvania. The, I imagine the average person that voted for him in Philadelphia or Allegheny County or in Pittsburgh, like, probably couldn't tell you who's actually on there. But they handed someone a ballot who filled it in for the guy that was going to just rubber stamp whatever Chuck Schumer wanted. Uh, I can't imagine any informed voter watching that debate and watching a guy not be able to form a complete sentence. Now there's news this week. He comes up. Well, he may have suffered permanent brain damage from campaigning too hard. He didn't have to campaign hard. He didn't do anything. He didn't do anything. But like we all knew it was a problem. But the Democrats didn't find a problem with this. They were, no, no, no. He's right. They could have had a Connor Lamb. They could have had someone that at least had the basics of cognitive function, and it didn't matter. They wanted this guy, and they still got him in there. If that isn't the first and foremost step to, like, hey, how do you win a national election? No one's paying attention. So you're right. We have to be playing that game. Now, what people don't understand, well, why didn't you fix all your president? It's a state's issue. Like, that's what people have to also understand how the sausage is made. That's yeah. why I think you being on here is so important. Like, they used to do that to me with, well, you know, Hearing Protection Act for, like, suppressors and stuff. Like, I was like, yeah, get Congress to vote on it. You're not going to do that with a weakling like Paul Ryan. Like, why didn't you get the border wall built earlier? Because Paul Ryan wouldn't bring it to Congress. We had all three houses. We could have done it, but he wanted to be loved, not vilified in D.C. So he didn't do it. The president can't unilaterally just do this. And so people have to understand how that works. So to win, we actually have to play by the rules that were created and weaponized during COVID, uh, you know, with state legislators and governors on the Democrat side. So to actually be able to effectuate change that makes sense, we have to play the game the way they are playing it. Then we can change the rules exactly. to make it fair. I mean, we have socialists in Europe that are like, I can't believe it. Like you have two month long election day and there's no ballot idea and they just send random shit. And, and then they'll get on TV. It was the safest and most secure election ever. Why? 
Police, there's not one shred of evidence to say that it's the safest and most secure, other than they said that, and the media ran with the talking yeah. point, mm -hmm. so they point to countless examples of someone saying it without actually any evidence behind it. So that's a huge aspect of what we need to be doing. No, you're totally right. So when we go on the road, and we'll be on the road with Donald Trump and you and me and so many others, and we'll take on those questions. And the more we get that message through to our base, yeah. to our, our leadership structure, to say, you may not like it. And we don't like, of course, we don't like ballot harvesting. But what I don't like, what I like less is losing. What I Correct. like less is not yeah. being in power. Uh, listen, it's America like cancel itself. culture. I, right? I'd love for there not to be cancel culture. I'd right. love for it to not exist. I'd love to be able to go, you know, and give my money to a company that I like that, you know, and not have them weaponize it against everything that I believe. But that doesn't exist right now. We, we have been playing that game. We have been turning the other cheek to a side that would put us in jail. They literally put you in the gulags. You, me, like, <laughs> and so many of the people watching this show, like, we gotta stop enabling that by not supporting it. We gotta vote with our, our wallets. Mm -hmm. uh, we have to take the time to find those companies. We have to do that. And like, when we do that, maybe we can one day get to a point where we're, we're just back to normal. But the other side has made a career mm -hmm. and a very successful job of weaponizing every institution out there against us. And they've laughed their asses off as we've pretended like it's not a problem. And like we can't play that game if we want an existence, if we want a future for conservative values, for American freedom, American exceptionalism, our belief systems, uh, because it's all on the table for the other side. And like if, we're, if we don't think that's the case, then you haven't been watching for the last six years. <laughs> and conservatives got to understand that you can't go out there and find 75 million people that are going to agree with every single position Correct. you take. Correct. Uh, we do that also. We, we, we can 99% yeah. will blow it because we didn't get, they'll take the a 51% win and yeah. run and they live to fight another day and they claw back each, the next yeah. day it's, you know, death by a thousand cuts. We sit there, we take some principled position on something that makes no sense. We blow a huge win for something that doesn't even mean anything to most people. And we get nothing for it. And that's, the, that's maybe the greatest takeaway of the night is whatever you've learned here tonight or whatever we've talked about, if you can take the top priorities of how do we safeguard our border, how do we take on China, Russia, Iran, how do we make it so drugs aren't pouring into our streets, how do we safeguard our communities and make sure education is what it should be and not CRT and things like that. If yeah. we can agree on those fundamental things, we are going to win. We're not going to win by yeah. a little. We're going to win by a lot. We're actually winning the cultural war, right? In my opinion, for the first, like people, like reasonable people are looking at what's going on, whether it's censorship, whether it's you know the trans insanity, and they're being like, okay, like this, we're, we've gone. <laughs> we're actually for the it's first crazy. time winning it. You know, yeah. abortion at ten months, wonderful. What could go wrong? I mean, these people are nuts. And finally, the pendulum has overcorrected so far that the American people are seeing it. But we have to also be able to act and capitalize on that insanity because we're working against a lot. We're working against, again, trillion dollar industry like big tech who's gonna censor yeah. the insanity of the other side. They're gonna massage it. They're gonna attack a guy like you. They're gonna attack a guy like me. They're gonna attack a guy like Devin. They're gonna make sure that the truth never really gets out or that it's the you know, WikiLeaks whitewashed like <laughs> pretend version of what happened. Uh, but that's what all information is based on. Google has weaponized that to thing. Big tech has done it uh, across the board. So we gotta be playing that game. No, and, and what always, and the, and the like, sort of the last component of all this and you get asked this probably more than I do, what can I do? What yeah. can I do, John Q. Voter, what can I do? You know what you can do? Pick one or two issues, education, border, drug, whatever, kitchen takeout, yeah. economics. Run Pick for your school board. And just get out there and build a platform. Get on Truth Social. I had no social media till my former boss and former former boss founded Truth Social and made me join the board. And now I have a million followers. But it's not because 
of me being me. It's the substance of what I'm saying. And I'm going to do one little shameless plug for my passion project if I can. Um, it's the most important thing and it relates directly to what you can do as one person. It's called Fight With Cash. Fightwithcash.com with a K is an actual charity we stood up because he said, what can we do mm -hmm. to help others with what we've been able to do for ourselves? And we raise money for active duty soldiers. We funded whistleblower campaigns. We funded legal defense Love funds. It. And we have a whole bunch of merch on there. And people are like, oh, you're making money. We don't take a dime in profit. We put it back out the door. We gave away 100 grand last year. We're going to give away a million dollars this year. Fight with and by the way, if he's lying, you know the left will yeah, finally. If, if, if no. one cent yeah. slips through, you'll, you'll be in the gulags for the rest of your life. So we know, yeah. we know that that's true. But the, uh, the, we have a special. Uh, for being on the Don Jr. show, and I'm, I, I'm so humbled that you had me on, we have our Orange Mad Bad lineup. Wow. And we have an Orange Man Bad hoodie and beanie that we put on sale just tonight at fightwithcash.com. And all of the proceeds, like anything else on there, will go to help the education of our country and our youth and helping active duty service members. It's the biggest thing I'm a part of that I love. So listen to nothing else I've said. Come be a part of the team. And more importantly, if you know someone in need in your community, send me a message. And if they qualify, we will cut them a check to help out Jan 6 families and everything else at fightwithcash.com with a K. I love that, guys. Cash, thank you so much. Thanks guys, so also much. check out his book, Government Gangsters. If the government gangsters ever let the book, uh, hopefully it'll be a, a window into what's really going on. Uh, I want to also, again, thank our sponsors. Uh, go to Gold Co. Check out DonJuniorGold.com. If you're looking to diversify your portfolio, this is a company that would sponsor a show like this. That takes guts. It's not easy. Support them. If you need a refund, if you have W-2 employees and you're a small business, visit MaxRefund.com slash Don Jr. D-O-N-J-R to qualify to get money back. Again, I think you do a much better job with your money in your small business or otherwise than any of the clowns in big government. So check them out, but do it through that URL so people see that you're getting it from here. It'll allow those guys and let those guys know to sponsor more of this kind of content, uh, you know, rather than the milk toast stuff that you'll get elsewhere. So that's a really critical part of it. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I really appreciate it. We'll be back uh, on Thursday, same time. Uh, we'll have a lot more fun to talk about. I want to really thank you guys for the support. It means the world to us. Cash, you've been awesome. Thanks so much, thank you, buddy. Man. Great seeing you again. And guys, uh, for those of you who are on Locals, uh, I'll be doing uh, a couple minutes taking live questions on the Locals platform. For those of you who have subscribed to Rumble uh, and their Locals platform, check it out. I'll do my usual Q&A after here. I'll let Cash get out of here, but I'll switch over there, be on there in a few minutes, uh, and we'll see you there, and hopefully I can answer any of your questions sort of live stream and direct with you guys. If you haven't checked it out already, do so, and uh, I'll see you there in a few seconds.